Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim Rabbi shahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa halul aqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana amma ba'd Dear brothers and sisters and dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most gracious, most merciful, who has uh, blessed us today, uh, notwithstanding our weaknesses and sins of today and of the entire week. That even though we've done all of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still did not deprive us from attending and did not deprive us from speaking, did not deprive us from uh, participating. Um, as they say that one of the students mentioned to his teacher, he said that how come we disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not punish us. And so the teacher responded by saying that uh, you are being punished, but the punishment is such that you are not aware of it. You don't recognize it. You don't sense it. And that is uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away the enjoyment of speaking to him from you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deprives you of the enjoyment of dua. And that there is absolutely no greater punishment and musibah that a person can suffer than being, than tawfiq being snatched away from that individual. From tawfiq, from the ability to do good, uh, from, from suffering hard-heartedness. There's really nothing uh, that could be regarded as a greater punishment than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala depriving a person of tawfiq. So uh, we should always tell ourselves and tell Allah Azza wa Jalla, Allah, I'm so, I'm so grateful to you that no matter all that I have done this past entire week from last Tuesday till this Tuesday and from today, from the morning till now, so many things were such that it would be uh, uh, absolutely fine and acceptable for you to banish me from your court and not allow me to come and sit and benefit. But your mercy is so much and so encompassing that uh, you did not judge me uh, based on my weakness and my sins and that you have allowed me to still come here. So when this, when this is the fact, we're not adding anything here. We're not uh, being uh, extra, uh, you know, sim- uh, what you call, uh, uh, you know, humble. This is the reality for myself. And this is the reality for all of us. That um, every single second, so much masiyah and disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking place. And um, yet He allows us to come here. We talked last week about ghafla, if you remember. Heedlessness. And that itself is a big problem. That when a person suffers, you know, when a person is in the state of heedlessness, he is disconnected from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then I mean, what other bigger sin can you say? A person may think that I'm not committing a sin. No, if you are not thinking about Allah at any given time, that's a problem. If our mind is not thinking about Allah, that's like the biggest thing. Imagine, subhanAllah, you think about this. Imagine if a husband and wife are sitting on the day of their wedding in a wedding hall. And, uh, you know, the wife says something to the husband and the husband just blanks out and says, yeah, what's going on? Where are we sitting right now? What's happening? Why are all these people here? Like, what is she going to say? Is, are you sure the nikah is done yet? Maybe we can still back out, you know? Who am I getting married here? He's sitting in this place. There's hundreds of people sitting in front. They're sitting on tables and lights are on and whatnot. He's asking me, what? Why are we sitting here? 
If that is weird, then a great, something that is beyond, beyond that, more weird and shocking, is a person lives in this world, eats Allah's food, drinks Allah's water, breathes Allah's air, takes a shelter of Allah's sky, walks in Allah's earth, right? enjoys Allah's blessings every second, and is not constantly then thinking about Allah. How is it that possible that a person is enjoying all of this, and yet he is suffering from what we call ghafla? So it's dangerous. Ghafla can take a person to, the, you know, very far away from the deen. So this itself is what we require, istighfar. And as our ulama have mentioned in the past, that our istighfar, may Allah forgive us, our istighfar, yahtaju ila istighfar. Our istighfar requires istighfar. Because it's so weak. It's so weak, it's so, you know, it, it doesn't deliver what it needs to deliver because we're not focused when we're doing it. And we're not putting our full energy and resource into it. So hence, our istighfar is also weak. Many times a person says, I've done so much dhikr, what's going on? Dhikr is not about moving the beads. We are not a bead maker that sits there and counts how many beads before we sell it to the customer. Moving the beads is not what counts. It's about how much, as we move these beads, what's the condition of the heart? Even one Allah will be such that, uh, you know, if done properly, it will shake our heart and the heart of everyone who's present. If done properly. Nabi alayhi said towards the end of times, the ulama have explained that this is most likely towards the end of times, that they will win the walls of Constantinople, uh, you know, will Istanbul, when the Muslim army will be there and they will be waiting to take uh, attack and, and conquer that city. So according to some, this has already occurred. Many others say this will happen later on. And Nabi alayhi said it will be conquered through what? Through Allah, Allah, through the dhikr of Allah. When the dhikr of Allah will take place, the walls will fall. It's not going to be conquered through catapults, through drones, or whatnot. It's, the walls will fall through the dhikr of Allah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name is taken, it is with conviction and yaqeen. Dear friends, if the walls of the enemy's city can fall, you don't think the veils of blackness and darkness in our hearts can fall? That is the power of doing the dhikr of Allah, Allah. Taking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name is the most powerful thing. So we should create, bring this into our life on a daily basis. MashaAllah, one of our brothers here, he mentioned to me, made me very happy that through the blessing of the gatherings that we do here in the masjid, alhamdulillah, and the encouragement that we should do dhikr at home, he mentioned that his small children at home also participate every night before they go to bed, they do dhikr collectively together. And... Alhamdulillah, the yaqeen of these beautiful little children, innocent children, is that through the dhikr of Allah, we get a peaceful sleep, and we have an enjoyable uh, sleep. So he said, you know, Allah willed one night that they didn't do dhikr, and his children went to sleep, and they had a nightmare. The next morning, they themselves said, Baba, you know, subhanAllah, this is what we did. We didn't do the dhikr last night, and we got the nightmare. So now the yaqeen is even solidified, that if we want protection, we need to be doing our dhikr. So even if when the father is traveling or not at home, Alhamdulillah, the young children sit and they do the dhikr together. So this is something we need to bring into our life, right? Uh, when we have the collective dua here, after salah for example, or any other gathering, people start wondering, brother, is this bid'ah or innovation? My dear friends, you know, you have to teach. If we, someone didn't teach us how to wash ourselves in the bathroom, we wouldn't know it till today. And there are people like that, whose fathers and mothers never taught them. Until today, do not know how to use a restroom. Till today, they'll stand up and urinate. Till today, do not know how to use toilet paper and water. They don't. They're 50 years old, 40 years old. They've never been taught. What are you going to do about that? We're surrounded by people like that. So we don't want to become like that. 
We want to make sure that we and our children know everything from, from that all the way to learn how to do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what we learn from the masjid. That's what we learn from the podium. Right? We learn from the mimbar and you take it back to your homes. So definitely create the environment of dhikr in our homes. Saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name will remove the blackness and the veils of darkness on our hearts and from the hearts of our children. And it will build within their hearts this beautiful, powerful relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of us tawfiq. So yesterday, or last week rather, I had completed the ruku, but I did tell you that if possible, I would like to share some, um, you know, review over some points from, uh, from the uh, verses um, before we move on to the new ruku and the new section. Let me first of all read the new section that we'll be covering today, bi'idhni ta'ala, and read the translation of it, and then I'll go back and cover some of the verses that I wanted to cover. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واذكر في الكتاب إبراهيم إنه كان صديقا نبيا إذ قال لأبيه يا أبت لم تعبد ما لا يسمع ولا يبصر ولا يغني عنك شيئا يا أبت إني قد جاءني من العلم ما لم يأتك فاتبعني فاتبعني أهدك صراطا سويا يا أبت لا تعبد الشيطان إن الشيطان كان للرحمن عصيا يا أبت إني أخاف أن يمسك عذاب من الرحمن فتكون للشيطان وليا قال أراغب أنت عن آلهتي يا إبراهيم لئن لم تنتهي لأرجمنك وهجرني مليا قال سلام عليك سأستغفر لك ربي إنه كان بي حفيا And mention also in the book O Prophet of Allah the tiding of Ibrahim عليه السلام Indeed he was ever truthful and an eminent prophet. Behold, he said to his father, My dear father, why do you worship what can neither, neither hear nor see, nor avail you in anything? My dear father, indeed revealed knowledge has come to me from God that has not reached you. So follow me and I shall guide you to Allah and an even way. My dear father, do not worship Shaitan, do not worship the Satan. Indeed, Satan is an ever rebellious towards the All Merciful. My dear father, I fear that a torment from the All Merciful will strike you. Thus, you will become a doomed patron of Satan. He said, Are you averse to my gods, O Abraham? Most surely, if you do not desist, I will myself stone you to death. Therefore, depart from me now for a long duration. Ibrahim said, Peace be with you. I shall ask my Lord to forgive you. Indeed, he has been ever gracious to me. So, last uh, portion, what we spoke about as we ended, concluded the story of uh, uh, Isa salam and his mother, the miraculous birth and beautiful lessons that alhamdulillah, we were able to cover in the past three, four weeks. We saw that towards the end, there was a section where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was giving us advice about how people have been misled and uh, uh, have the wrong ideas regarding Isa and attribute divinity to him. And how on the day of judgment, they will be suffering a big loss. And 
Allah Jalla Jalalhu said, how well they shall hear and see. Meaning right now, no matter how many proofs you give to them, they don't understand. And on the day of judgment, they will be able to hear and they will be able to listen. It's scary, it really is. That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to switch off our ability to understand, then we won't, we'll think one plus one is 11, as they say, you know? Not one plus one is two. It really is. Sometimes this veils come over our heart. Our person just cannot understand the very basics of deen. And you're gonna see that in the story of Ibrahim and Azar as well. So, but there will be a day when you will be able to understand, but it'll be too late. So when a person doesn't understand something right now in this dunya, we should have humility and humbleness in front of Allah all the time. We ended last week's dars with this, didn't we? We said, Allahum adina al-haqqa haqqa wa arzuqna tiba'a wa anina al-baatila baatila wa arzuqna ishtinaba. Oh Allah, allow me to see the truth as truth and inspire me to practice on it. And oh Allah, allow me to see falsehood as falsehood and inspire me to stay away from it. Right? So this is something that we need to always be reciting this dua, whether in English or in Arabic. But asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do not allow me to start thinking that I've got it all. Right? This arrogant type of mentality, that if it doesn't make sense to me, it can't be true. There are many things maybe we don't understand. That's why we ask Allah for guidance. Allahumma alhimna marashida umurina. Oh Allah, inspire me to the very best of my affairs. We don't understand maybe. So don't say it's wrong. Say, Allah, if this is correct, allow me to understand it. When you hear, when you hear some, uh, a speech or you hear something that someone, your elder is saying, your ustad is saying, your teacher is saying, your, uh, your parents are saying, and it doesn't make sense to us, we should remember, we should turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do not become dismissive of it. And say, Ya Allah, if this is true, allow me to understand this. So, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, today you don't understand regarding Isa is not divine. But a day will come, you will understand everything, you'll see everything. But it'll be of absolute no benefit. What's that day? From the 24 names of the day of judgment we did last week was? Yawmul Hasra. Right? The day of regret. The day of regret. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ And warn them of the day of regret. So this part I was, wanted to mention. That the day of regret is one of the names, from the 24 names of the day of judgment. In which a person will, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us that a person will, uh, no matter what his situation will be, will definitely be saddened and regretting over um, what has happened. Allah Jalla Jalalu says in the 19th Jews, وَيَوْمَ يَعَضُّ الظَّالِمُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذْتُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا يَا وَيْلَتَا لَيْتَنِ لَا مَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا The winning person due to his bad friendships and social circle that he or she kept ends up not following the deen, then on the day of judgment, this individual, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, will out of sadness and regret, will not simply be biting his nails, as is customary today in this world, but instead will go beyond biting his nails, will bite his fingers, nay, he will end up chewing his entire arm. Chewing his arm out of frustration, sadness, and remorse, that how come I did not follow the truth and instead up, and ended up doing what my friends were doing. This is what all it is today. Society kehdiye. That's what my family says. That's what people say. That's what the people in my neighborhood say. We're all about the society. We're all about the ones we hang around with. Today's deen, where does it stand? One, one student, one brother comes to the masjid, he'll bring his friends. One friend goes to the club, he'll take them all over there. This is all it is. We go with the flow. And when, if you have this mentality that you go with the flow, then it's very dangerous because the flow may be going in a very wrong direction. All of us have seen that in our lives. When the flow was going in the wrong direction. 
And if you didn't have the guts to stand up to that and say, I'm done, then you end up flowing away with them. Dear brothers, you, we all, I've, I've, I say this very regularly because we have so many younger brothers, alhamdulillah, attending and sisters attending, that the, the, until and unless we don't have the willpower and the strength to be able to foot, put our foot down and say, I am going to do what's right, I will stand by the truth, not by with my friends. Not with my social circle. My, uh, my allegiance is with the truth. My allegiance is what's with right, not with what the friend's circle is saying. Otherwise, if you're going to go with the friend circle, one night will be atikaf, the next night will be over alcohol. And I have seen this with my own very, with my very own eyes. When I ask people who've, done, who've spent great time in the masjid, and then go to the complete opposite end. And I ask, how? But how? You were just here the other day. Ramadan, you were just here. How does this happen? I was going with, you know, with friends. And you know, I just ended up this and that. So that's how scary it is. If you sit here in front row, and you, you practice the deen, and you're there for salah, there's no guarantee if you cannot cut yourself off from that friend circle who takes you in the opposite direction. So whenever we come to deen gatherings, and we are listening online or whatever the case may be, and we get this jazbah, we get this desire, Ya Allah, I want to become yours. I really want to dedicate my life to you. What you have to do, my friends, you know when you hear a non-Muslim, you give him shahada, how do you give it? Just say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, we do, that's true, he becomes a Muslim. But usually when you hear the Imam giving him shahada, what do we talk about? We look at his background, is he Christian, Jewish, um, Hindu or whatnot? And then we, we explain to them that Islam is about believing that one Allah is, is the only deity and that Isa is not or so-and-so is not, or idols are not, or etc, etc. We make sure we focus on the things he has to distance himself from. And that is what La ilaha is about. Before you bring illallah, you have to bring La ilaha. There is no God. Clean out all the false idols from the heart. Clean out all the false idols from the mind. And once you've made space, then there's only one space for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One space for one God. That's it. There's no space for there. If you got other stuff in the driver's seat, you can't expect someone else to sit on there. Move it all out. Then you bring illallah. In the, in the, in the terms of tazkiyah, or in, in, in spiritual rectification, it's called tahliya and tahliya. Tahliya, empty it out. Tahliya, empty it out. Then tahliya, beautify yourself. So you have, like I usually give an example of cleaning up the dust and removing the cobwebs and getting rid of the old paint before you put enough fresh coat. Okay, so that takhliya has to take place. Well, when, you, when we sit in gatherings like this, we gotta make takhliya. We have to make takhliya from our bad influences in our lives. From, from, our, from, from the circle of friends that push us to places where we shouldn't be. Or those, um, nowadays we could say, social media apps. And those other things that are pulling us in another direction. Until we do not do takhliya. You keep on adding milk, mashallah, into your glass, but you don't want to get rid of the filth at the bottom, all the you know, dirt and mud at there. It's going to be no good. You can't drink any of that milk. You fill it up, you have to throw it away. What benefit will be that filling up your, milk, uh, your, your jar with milk when you have uh, you know, layers of filth at the bottom of it? It must be cleansed first before you start adding milk to it. This is what we're speaking about here. Distance ourselves from bad company. Distance ourselves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this person will be chewing his entire arm off because of the fact that he was going towards Islam, but then because of a friend's pressure, he ended up renouncing Islam. Okay? And then, he, of course, at that day, everyone's going to be for himself. Well, no one will be able to benefit each other. Right? So, uh, the hasra will be, Nabi alayhi salatu said, now you can say, who's a hasra for? Is it only for disbelievers? No, not only for disbelievers. The hasra will be even for a Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ said, any gathering in which the name of Allah is not taken, in which the salutations of the Prophet ﷺ are not recited. Any majlis, 
in which we do not take Allah's name or do not send down salutations upon the Prophet it will become a source of misery and, and worry on the day of judgment. Let's, let me repeat that. Any type of sitting, you're sitting a bunch of friends, you know, in any gathering, at a restaurant, at a banquet hall, okay, at your, at your, on your couch on Saturday night, wherever it is. But if there is no dhikr of Allah, and what's the second thing? Salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ. Then this entire duration that we sat there will be a source of misery on the Day of Judgment. That is why at the very least, whichever gathering we're sitting in, at the, which we should at least end with Subhanallah, wa bihamdihi, Subhanakallah, wa bihamdihi, inshallah, ilaha ilaha, nasafir, wa natubu ilayk, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi, Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, or any other type of durood, salawat, and some dhikr. Right? If you cannot, you can say it out loud so everyone remembers it. Subhanallah, brothers, let's all read once, you know, like that. You know, and Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, and one salawat. So that at least whatever the past two hours that we're sitting here in any gathering does not become a source of misery on the day of judgment. So there are people who have who've done bad, of course, they'll be worried of what's going to happen. And then the people who do good, they will be saddened that why did they not do more? Why didn't they do more? You made a lot of money in the stock market, for example, and you sold, and you made out 100,000. But you see a guy who sold the next day, and he made 200,000. You mashallah, he got 100,000, but he'd never be happy. If he knows his friend, his brother made 200,000, his brother's wife made 200,000, why would he be happy, right? He'll lose all the enjoyment of that 100,000, because he knows someone else made more in that same duration. If only he, stayed one, he kept the money one more day extra. Yeah? That would happen. So imagine the hasra, the sadness when a person sees that why didn't I participate in some good deeds? Why didn't I do more for myself? Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam has talked about, has mentioned in hadith regarding death on the day of judgment. He said, Death itself will be brought in the form of a ram. A caller will call out, Oh, the people of Jannah. They will wake up, they'll get up, and they'll get up out of their paradise and they'll look. فيقول, the, the caller will say, هَلْ تَعْرِفُونَ هَذَا? Do you know what this ram is? فيقول, نَعْمْ هَذَا الْمَوْتِ They say, yes, this is death. وَكُلُّهُمْ قَدْ رَآهُ All of them had seen it. ثُمَّ يُنَادِيَ أَهْلَ النَّارِ Then the caller will call out, Oh, the people of hellfire. فَيَشْرَئِبُونَ وَيَنْضَرُونَ فَيَقُولُ هَلْ تَعْرِفُونَ هَذَا? They will look up, they'll say, gee, what's up? They'll, they'll, the caller will say, do you know what this is? فيقول, the caller will say, yes, this, they, uh, you know, what is it? The people of Jahannam will say, this is death. Then the ram will be slaughtered. ثم يقول يا أهل الجنة خلود فلا موت ويا أهل النار خلود فلا موت. Then the caller will say that O oh, people of paradise, you have now a life of eternity; you will never die. And O oh, the people of hellfire, you have a life of eternity, and you will never die. And at that time, Rasulullah recited this ayah. The amount of regret that the people of hellfire will have at that time. That if death was still there, they would have died simply out of regret. Because the realization will sink in that my God, this torture, this difficulty, this punishment we're going through, you know, all of us, when we, what do we always look forward to? When is this going to end? You know, we always say that, don't we? Life is not, it's, it's not you know, forever. This, this surgery will get over. This divorce will get over. This pain will get over. We're always looking at the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what keeps us alive. That's what you hold the hand of someone who's sick. You're right, you'll get out of this. But imagine if you realize that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And this tunnel is never ending. And it's forever, forever, forever. Though at least in the world we had something called death. Even if it was the most painful thing. The most painful thing, in the most painful way you had to die, but at the end you'd die. In Akhirah, there is no such thing as death. 
There's nothing to look forward. Ya Malik, Rabbuk. After thousands of years of suffering, the people of Jahannam will turn to Allah. And they'll and and they'll Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to them, right? So then they'll turn to the rather the angel who's in charge of Jahannam, whose name is Malik. Ya Malik is the name of the angel in charge of hellfire. They'll say, Ya Malik, oh, oh Malik, please ask Allah to make a final judgment against us so that we die. We cannot handle this. And the answer will be, Qala, Absolutely not. You're staying here. You're not going anywhere. Thousands of years will go by. They'll be begging, beseeching Allah Azza wa Jal. And then Allah will respond and He will say, Keep quiet and you cannot speak to me. You are not allowed to speak to me And their, their, their mouths will be sealed right? Their mouths will be sealed So on top of the physical Unbelievable Unimaginable level of pain There is a huge level of emotional pain As well To feel, to see your own gods that you worship Burning in hell To see everyone who you thought is going to help you Gone To see that those who we believe to be our leaders Also in hell to see the friends that push you with you are all, you know, say, I got your back. SubhanAllah, they don't have their own back. The old, all the ones who said, Chalo, come, come, man, don't worry about it. Those very same ones who will tell you, Bhai, come on, you make toba tomorrow, just come with me, join on this Islamic venture, then you go write a donation to the masjid, and you leave the haram money, then you give the money to the masjid after one, 5, 5%, 2%, then your money will become clean, just come. How many people are doing this outside? Inviting us towards haram, and they keep on telling their friends, Toba baad me karlo. You can repent afterwards, it's okay. Right? was mentioning regarding Junaid Jamshid Rahmatullah that when the you know when he got this uh, when he was suffering extreme, extreme poverty, when he gave up music and he was going through extreme difficulty, literally didn't know where his you know how he's gonna make ends meet for the end of you know, for pay his basic bills for his house and food, bring food on the table. He got this massive, you know, multi-multi-million dollar uh, contract from Pepsi, you know, worth millions and crores of rupees. And uh, he's like, no man, I don't, I'm not going to do this. I gave up for this. And he said, those representatives, whoever they were, told him that, don't worry. Just, just sing for us these 10 songs. Give it to us. And after that, you do your toba. After that, you go back in jamaat and do your toba, whatever you want to do. You know? So they, they started playing the Molana role there. The representatives, whoever they were, like, here, you, you just, we're giving you the fatwa for it. Just sing it, jaw. There's actually a lot of people who do this type of stuff outside. A lot of people say, Allah ghafoor rahim hai bhai. Yeah, Allah will forgive you. Just do this thing and move on. Join me with this because why? Misery loves company. The misery loves company. They're, they feel awkward going towards hell alone. They say, Chalo, ajaw, come, come with me. You come with me and then we, you know, we, 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 we have some, something to do together. So imagine the, the, the sorrow when a person sees all of those people with him burning in hell. And then on top of that to see that death is gone. And that there's no, there's no ending to this. It's going to be extremely painful. So this is... Um, Ajib, I remember Junaid Jamshid Rahmatullah when he came here and he did our fundraiser in 2012 and then we had a get together with the volunteers some of you here may remember that uh, at one of our uh, brother's homes and he spoke to the volunteers and a very nice powerful talk mashallah and in that talk he, remind, he shared a story uh, of, um, of a time in which he, you know, he, was, he went out in Nusra for a jamaat you know Nusra is when you when you participate and join them for a few days. So this Jamaat in Pakistan was doing the one-year Paydal Jamaat. You know, the one-year Paydal. You heard of those? One-year walking Jamaats. If you haven't heard about them, they're just, you know, <laughs> amazing. These are, these are the most, like, uh, you know, amazing individuals, usually much, much, much older than what you'd expect in their 70s and 80s. Very elderly people who've khalas, they're like ready to give their life to the deen and they end up traveling by foot 
right, from one end to the other end, that whatever route, route they've been given, in Pakistan and other parts of the world as well. So he went in to go join them for 10 days. And usually they're going through desert areas and extreme, extreme difficult areas of the whole country where average people don't go. So he went and joined them for 10 days or so. And after he came back, it was a very you know, grueling trip. Came back to arrive and Haji Abdul Wahab, Rahimahumullah, Wasi, I was there and other ulama were there. And um, what he mentioned was that these elders, and I don't want to misquote him, and, and I don't remember exactly the words, how he said it, but the gist of it, what he was saying is, that Haji Sab at that time, if I'm not mistaken, or it was, uh, it was mentioned that, um, that, you know, Allah ki qasam, I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, every single one of us, including myself, qiyamat ke din, Allah ki qasam hum They're coming back from this most, most challenging, most difficult journey of their life, for the sake of Allah, to invite people towards a masjid, to invite people towards deen, nothing else. And on the way back, the city is like, my God, that was the craziest journey. By far more difficult than our Hajj. I mean it. By far more difficult than our Hajj. He comes back there and he say, what is he, what's the speech he's listening? He said, by Allah, every single one of us, including myself on the Day of Judgment, we're gonna regret why we didn't do more. Don't think, don't allow this to get to your head, what you just did right now. That's what he was, the gist of it. And so he was sharing with our volunteers as well, that whatever work you do, don't ever think that subhanAllah, kya baratin mara you know, I've done something big. Nothing. Whatever you have done on the day of judgment, you will regard it insignificant. You know, there's a, a statement of Ka'b Ka'b Ahbar. He says on the day of judgment, that if a person were to have the iman of 70 anbiya, 70 prophets, he will also think that he's not going to be able to save himself from hellfire. If you were to have the iman of 70 prophets, he will still think that I'm destined to hell because Allah is so, so, so angry today. And hellfire is blazing right in front. And there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, listen to this attentively. He says that if a person were to fall into sujood, were to fall into sajda since the time he is born, till the time he dies, 70 years, 80 years, non-stop, 24-7, 365 days a year, 10 years every decade, were to be in sajda. Is that possible? Absolutely not possible. Hypothetically speaking, if you were to do such, and which, which type of amal? There is no amal greater than sajda. Aqrabu ma yakun sajid. The closest you can be to Allah is in the state of sujood. 70 years of non-stop sajda on the day of judgment, he says, if you bring even something as heavy and as powerful as that, لحقرahu يوم القيامة On the day of judgment, you will regard this amal as insignificant. Haqir. Isko bhi tum haqir in front of Allah's jalal, in front of Allah's power, you say, Mirpas Kushni, I've got nothing. What have you got? 70 years of non-stop sajda. Do we brothers have a trillionth of that? Do we have a trillionth of that? No, we don't. So this is an important reminder for us to never become haughty over what we have done. Always be humble and always be thinking, always be thinking, man, I gotta do more. I always, you know, literally, we have to be in the state of concern and worry. Like a man whose who's, who's, who's store is closing and he hasn't sold anything. The very beautiful example that our elders have given of a man who's selling ice. Right? You've heard that. In India, Pakistan, they have the, the ice sellers. Ice sellers, they carry big blocks of ice. You've seen that? I don't know if you have it in your country as well. Uh, the, uh, big blocks of ice. And it's carried on a donkey cart. And they go buy it from the factory and they go with their donkey around the town. And they come and people come buy a kilo of ice. And they break it with a pickaxe and, or a hammer and they sell it. So they use these kids, little kids who are selling this stuff. But this ice in 120 degree temperature doesn't last all day. You pick it up at 8 a.m., you have to sell it by 12. Otherwise, it's going to get melted. 
So they give an example of the man who is traveling around. He, they're literally living on meager, less than a dollar a day or a dollar a day, these people. And that's, they don't even have money to buy the block of ice. They piled up the weak profits and bought a block of ice. If that ice melts without selling, they're in big trouble. They won't be able to bring back even loaf bread at home. So the worry and the concern as the sun rises high, if his ice is not selling, how frantically he goes around trying to call people so that they buy his ice from him, so that at least his entire capital doesn't go to waste. That ice that's melting away is our life. Our age, every week that we come here, we've gotten a week closer to death. We've gotten a week closer to death. Every Ramadan, we've gotten one Ramadan closer to death. Right? That's the reality of it. And our time, our capital is melting away. We have to have every night, we need to sleep with hasra. With what? With hasra, regret. Ya Allah, the way, the day this today should have been spent, has not been spent like that. Thank Allah for what you have done and regret for what we have not done. If we missed one salah with jama'ah, if we missed one salah, if we didn't do our dhikr after one of the salahs, if we didn't recite Qur'an the whole day, if we didn't spend our time with our parents, if we didn't spend time with whoever we need to spend, etc. Then we go to bed with regret. And we rather do regret today when it helps. Because if a person is going to bed with regret and does istighfar, Alhamdulillah, we'll make up for whatever losses he had. But tomorrow on the day of judgment, the day of regret, that is absolutely, that regret will be of no benefit. Daily this fikr concern that people should look at and say, what's wrong? Why do you look worried? What are you worried about? You're worried about how you're not spending your time in the best possible manner. And if you're kind of paranoid about this, and always thinking about time is going, time is going, time is going, just like they say time is money. For us, time is not money, time is life. Every day that we get closer to our death is a lost opportunity for us to get closer to Allah. We are thinking that I'm going to wait till I graduate from college, then I'll start focusing. I'm going to wait till I get married, then I'm going to start focusing. I'm going to wait till I get my first child, then I'm going to start focusing. I'm going to wait till I get my promotion, my job, then I'll start focusing. I'm going to wait till I get my house paid off, then I'm going to start focusing. My friends, this is a useless, false, false promises that we're making for ourselves. If, you're, if, we, if the, the day our heart turns to Allah is the day we need to start focusing. Because we don't know how long, how many days we've got left. Every single day counts. This is what Allah Jalla Jalalu is telling Rasulullah Hasra. Warn them, forewarn them of the day of re- regret. When Amr, when it's too late. When their destiny has been decreed, and while they are yet heedless, destiny has been decreed, they're gonna be going towards hellfire. And today, when you tell them, they're in heedless, lost in their what you call their intoxication of wealth, intoxication of lust, intoxication of desires. La ilaha illallah. Wahum la and did not believe. Food takes us 10 minutes to eat. Right? Drink takes few minutes. To wear clothes, what do we need? To get married, what do we need? My dear friends, this is not the maqsad. This is not the purpose. I remind myself and all of us. Marriage, clothing, cars, this is just our needs of life. If the entire effort is going to put into just the clothing we wear, or the marriage we have, or the house we own, then these are the people who are going to suffer a huge regret on the Day of Judgment. That's not where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us for. Let's move on to the, to the next story. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of Yahya, then the story of Isa, and then this middle section moves on now to Ibrahim alayhi story. Why Ibrahim? Because for a number of reasons. Number one, Ibrahim is the one that the Christians, the Jews, Muslims, and the Mushrikeen of Makkah agreed upon. The Mushrikeen of Makkah didn't believe in other prophets. They don't look up to them, but they definitely looked up to Ibrahim. They regarded him as their forefather. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings in his story. 
And since Nabi Sallallahu is from the lineage of Ibrahim, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is bringing the story of Ibrahim Asalam. And since Ibrahim Asalam brought the principles that were agreed upon by all prophets, including Rasulullah Sallam. So you will notice that Ibrahim Asalam's name starts off here, and then we're going to go through a number of prophets over here after the story of Ibrahim. It sends, it sets the foundation for the next prophets in this in the story of Surah Maryam. That if look at the message of all these prophets. If you study it, it's all the same as the Prophet ﷺ. Why are you ostracizing our Prophet? Why are you looking down upon our Prophet? Why do you have a hard time believing in our Prophet when his message is the exact same message of Ibrahim ﷺ, who you, O Mushrikeen, also believe in and look up to? And O Jews and Christians, you also believe in the rest of the Prophets whose names are going to be mentioned from Bani Israel. He has the same message, believe in it. Additionally, Ibrahim ﷺ is mentioned because he had certain circumstances similar to the, the, that of the Prophet ﷺ, or the Prophet ﷺ rather had circumstances similar to that of Ibrahim ﷺ. And what is that? That is, he had his very own close brethren and kinth and kin and relatives who stood up against him. And he faced a lot of opposition. So Rasulullah is facing a lot of opposition from his very own blood relatives. And they're the ones who have become the biggest thorns in his life and biggest thorns in his message and in progressing of his message. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of Ibrahim salam, so that they, the Rasulullah get solace and comfort to see how did Ibrahim salam handle this and in that same manner, I must handle this, this, section, this part as well. This, dear brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and mention, uthkur, read, okay, read about it, or mention, fil kitab, in the book, the story of Ibrahim. Because you know what? There are gonna be many variations of any story. Any biblical story, any history, historical story will have many variations. Allah wants us to focus on the on, on the on what on the on the uh, uh, the riwayah and on the narration of the Quran. That's where Hidayah is going to come. You want to read historical analysis of a story for you know getting some just interesting details. Okay, fine. But your the main crux of where guidance is going to come is going to be from the version that's mentioned in the Quran. This is your cliff notes, if you want to talk about that, right? The gist, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention ex- unnecessary details. You have an exam tomorrow. You have to cover thousands of pages. This is not the time to get into small minute details. Right? You are focusing on the big things so that you can succeed on that exam tomorrow. The Qur'an is preparing us for the exam of the grave. That may be tonight. Might be tomorrow night. It might be next year. We don't know when it's going to come. Man rabbuk ma'adinukum rajul. Three questions of the grave. What is your religion? Who is, uh, 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 and, and who is your Lord? Who, what is your religion? What do you say about this man? I.e. the Prophet. And the questions on the Day of Judgment. So in preparation of that, the Qur'an is very uh, you know, f- 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 focal on the most important points the Qur'an emphasizes. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, mention also and read the version of Ibrahim Salam's story from the Qur'an. What is he? The ta- Indeed, he's ever truthful. So this is a, hyper- a hyperbolic form, Siddiq, right? From Sadiq. Truthful. What do you mean very truthful? It means that he was willing to always accept any command of Allah. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you know, leave your spouse in the desert, okay? Leave your little child in the desert, okay? All right, now, uh, you know, do not give up your deen, even if it means uh, you know, be thrown into fire, okay? Guess what? Put a knife to your son's, uh, uh, what you call, a throat, or, or, you know, neck, okay? Allahu Akbar. We are so far away from submitting to the will of Allah that this story, what I just shared with you right now, which one? Sacrifice. The Muslims of 2021, they don't understand this. So now you'll have 
entire rebuttal, and you all know who, you know, those you know, you know, you don't know, good you don't know, that, you know, there's an entire rebuttal. It's like, no, this, can't, this doesn't make sense. How could you be asked to do a sacrifice like that? But what are you talking about? You, I didn't ask you to make that sacrifice. Your Lord did. Your Lord can ask you to do anything. Anything. Whatever He asks you to do, you have to do that. Is, is anyone asking you to sacrifice your son right now? No one is. The idea is to sacrifice your desires. You can't even fathom that Allah could ask someone not to actually want him to do that. Of course not. That's why he just said, sent, We ransomed your son and gave in place of him a beautiful ram from Jannah. You have proven your truthfulness of the, and you have proven that you are Siddiq and what you saw in the dream, you acted upon it. That's what the Quran is saying. The Quran, Allah never wanted him to kill his son. The idea is to see, are you willing to make that sacrifice? Are you willing to put your soul and your son's soul in the palm of your hand and submit it to Allah? Are you willing to do that? That was the question. Why do we sit here today and say, that doesn't make sense? Because you know why? We have become Abdul Hawa. That's what it is. We have become slaves of our desires and our lower self. This is how it really, I want you to think about that. We've gotten so far away that we can't even fathom someone could love Allah to this level. We have become so materialized that in a khutbah, if someone says that, you know, Rasulullah his love for the Quran was such that he would recite sometimes an entire surah in one rakah, in one instance where Rasulullah stood up for Qiyamul Layl, he, he recited Surah Al Baqarah in one rakah. And then the Sahabi who joined him is like, okay, this is a very long rakah. And then Rasulullah added Al Imran unto that. Yeah? And then after that, Rasulullah didn't stop there, he added Surah Al Nisa to that. And then he started Surah Ma'idah. He was on the sixth, the first rakah. And then the Sahabi sat down and you know, he said, I cannot continue this salah. Right? It doesn't mention, narrate in a mention. A person hears this. You're supposed to get inspired. Like, MashaAllah, how will the love of Rasulullah the Quran was? But people don't understand. Can you imagine there's a Mahafisab, elderly Hafizab in South Africa, in Madrasa Arabiya in Azadville. Right? Every single year. I mean, they have world book of records for all sorts of stuff, right? He's been doing this for apparently decades. He does the first night or, or second night of, of Ramadan. He does the entire Quran in, in the first rakah of <laughs> Taraweeh. There's people behind him. One rakah. Uthman radiallahu anhu. This was his daily habit. He would recite the Quran in one rakah. How does how you how does that happen, my friend? There's something called barakah, okay? There's something called barakah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts blessing in your time. Allah puts blessing in your, in, your, in your ability to do things. We have to believe in this stuff. Why do we always say, donate, Allah will give you more? That doesn't make sense. Why will Allah give me more? When I, what does this mean? I'm giving, my money is going, you tell me more is going to come back. That's called barakah, right? That's what we call barakah, right? That's, that's what we're speaking about. MashaAllah, today one of the brothers was just telling me who did some work in the masjid here. He came to visit the masjid after many, many years. And, and, and as he was walking out, he was just so happy to have seen the new seminary. And walking out, he just said, you know, I was looking at my business, how it's exponentially grown in the past few years. And he said, when I look, date it back, when did my business just take off? He said, I remembered when uh, with this masjid was being built, I donated my time and money to do one project in the masjid. And he said, literally, that was a turning point in my business. And you know, he said, I've seen barakah in that. That, that, is, that is the reality of what I'm speaking about. We believe in barakah. We believe in the fact that it is possible to achieve great things. So what do we see here? There's a Nabi who is willing to sacrifice everything for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My dear brothers, we have, if we cannot do that, what should we do? At least give credit to those who are willing to do that. 
and say, by may Allah make me like that. Itna to kaise? We can say that at least. Why do we sit there and say this is not possible? So this is this is what is happening, unfortunately, today, out in social media, of people um, dismissing this entire story. It's I know shocking for some of you hearing this, but that's the whole idea. The, the mentality is being created that you you cannot be asked to make that level of sacrifice by God. That doesn't make sense. So Allah, what does Allah say about Ibrahim? He Siddiq. He was willing to do the unthinkable. Allah didn't ask him for it. Allah wanted to test him. What's another reason of what, that Siddiq has been mentioned here is that they are people who may ascribe lies to him and say when, in, in terms of, you know the three incidents that have taken place in his life. When, he, when the, they came and said, who broke the idol? What did he say? He's asked the biggest one. right? The big one did it. Or when um, the Namrud had a bad intention with his um, wife and he said, who is she? he asked, who is she? And he said, this is my sister. <clears throat> To um, protect her, and similarly, uh, when he was, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, when he when he he told his community, "Inni saqim, I'm sick." So his fear of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is such that what happened on the day of judgment it comes that he Nabi Khalilullah. Yeah, this is like mind-boggling what I'm going to tell you. You already know this, but it's just thinking about it is mind-boggling. Khalilullah. That Ibrahim alayhi salam who the Qur'an is calls him an ummah. Calls him a whole community himself. Calls him the leader of everyone. The father of all the religions, right? The father of Rasulullah The friend of Allah. He, when the people will come to him and say, Ya Ibrahim, please can you intercede on our behalf so that the day of judgment, judgment begins. The lengthy hadith of shafa'ah, of intercession. What will Ibrahim alayhi salam say? Ibrahim said, you're asking the wrong person. Me? I have no guts to speak to Allah today. You know what I have done? You don't know what I have done? I made this mistake in three instances. He will narrate those on the Day of Judgment. When I tell you about the fear that people have on the Day of Judgment, this is a real story. That Ibrahim salam, being the best of the best, will have so much fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On that day, he will feel that he does not in a position to open his mouth and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the process to move forward. So Allah is saying, he's Siddiq, he didn't lie. Right? Nabiya, he's a prophet. Nabi comes from the word Naba. Naba is a very big piece of news. Naba is, what is that? It's a very relevant piece of news and very important. Very relevant and very important. So, what does a Nabi come with? The Nabi's message is very important, very relevant. So, no matter what age we are in, the prophetic message will always be important and will always be relevant. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu says regarding Ibrahim alayhi I want you to remember this story. When he spoke to his father, okay, father, majority of the companions and the tabi'un, those who came after the companions, are of the opinion that this is the father named Azar. There is a minority opinion, a minority opinion, that who is referred to Abihi as father is actually his uncle. That Azar was not his father, rather, Azar was uncle. But this is not the majority opinion. So, there is some opinion there, but some people get very riled up about this issue. This is not an issue to get riled up upon. You know about this? Okay? And they get very angry. And they get vicious. And they say, Gustakhe Rasul. They'll say, you are disrespecting the Prophet. If you say, what? That you say, Abihi in the Quran means Abihi. Brother, it says Abihi, his father. I'm going to translate his father. But you say, no, you cannot translate like his father. You have to translate like his uncle. But why? 
Because Nabi is, his Nabi is pure. The Prophet was the most pure. We agree, he was the most pure. And the Prophet did say that I am the most chosen from amongst the chosen ones. And that I have, you know, I am the cream of the cream of the crop. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose me from the best of the best. And he said, I have been, I have, I have moved from, from, from pure backs to pure, uh, from the pure backs to the pure raham uh, um, uh, or womb. Right? Meaning, basically, my whole lineage is pure. So they say, if his lineage is pure, how can you have this? Got it? So we'll see that this is uh, taken in a majazi form, a metaphorical sense. Majority of Rasulullah's lineage is pure. Meaning people who have tawheed. If there's one person up there somewhere, then uh, uh, look at Nabi Wasallam's own beloved you know, people who were next to him, his own uncle, Abu Talib, you know, unfortunately didn't accept Islam. And of course, Abu Lahab, uh, a very harsh enemy. So you look at Nabi, uh, you look at the prophets, their wives, the closest, although yes, they're not their fathers, but their son, Nabi Nuh. Who, who is the son coming from? The blood of the son, of Nuh's son came from where? Came from his dad. So what about the dad? How pure must the father be? If the father's pure, you know, purity went into the son, well, how come he got deprived of Iman? But that's Allah. He does whatever he wishes. You can't ask him about why he does what he does. Okay, so that this is not something for, for us to feel offended about. Um, he he mentioned to Azar. What did he say to him? Ya abati, oh my dear father. Okay, so we know the word ab is father. Abi is my father. Notice the Quran doesn't say abi here. The Quran says abati. Where did this ta come from? And what's this ta about? So the scholars say that this ta usually in Arabic the ta is known for what? Ta ta'anif. ta of feminine, like. Uh, it's always ta is added on the at the end of verbs to give denote a feminine doer. Qala to say qalat she said, right? So this ta is a ta a feminine, meaning the femininity that embodies love, femininity that embodies love. So by adding that ta over here, Abi was already dear dear dad, dear father. By adding that ta in there, it adds another whole degree of love, of emotional love and attachment to to the father. So here Ibrahim is speaking to his uh, mushrik father who is not only a disbeliever and a polytheist but also an idol, uh, an idol maker. He builds idols, he constructs them, makes them and sells them. How does he speak to him? He says, oh my dear father, behold. What does he speak to him? He's giving him advice, right? Lima ta'budu, why do you worship? He asks a question. Doesn't accuse him, right? What we are learning here, dear friends, many of us, no people or ourselves come from homes in which we started coming towards deen more than our parents. We see many youth, and mashallah, today just it's an amazing view right here, right? We see majority of those attending our dars here through Allah's fadl, alhamdulillah, are the sons of many fathers who don't come for whatever reason, right? So it's a, it's a great example that you come from a home in which you're motivated to come, for example, on a drive out on a Tuesday night this late and sit here, maybe with someone from your home is not. How are you supposed to handle that? How are you supposed to deal with situations in which maybe you were not very religious, but something took place in your life when you started going towards religion and your parents still have not been motivated yet? How do you handle that? This is a very, very relevant topic, which we'll definitely not uh, you know, um, cover all of it today because I want to make sure our, our tafsir is a bit shorter now because of the fact that we're starting a little bit later now. Inshallah, when Maghrib gets a little bit later, then we'll switch it to between Maghrib and Isha. Um, so how does he deal with that? He doesn't attack his father. And that's what happens today. It's so sad. 
I hear, I hear people, parents call me and say, Mufti Sahib, is this true? This is what my son told me. He studies a little bit of deen, this is the fatwa he's giving at home. And it, it you know, I, I'm bashful. I, you know, I, I literally, I laugh. I'm like, I can't believe this is what your son is saying. Like, oh my God. How do you tell your mom that? How do you tell your dad something like that? You know, you study something and you go sit there. And what you're saying is right, but this is not the way you speak to your parents. Right? This is not the way it's supposed to be uh, done. Right? The, they, you, what, do, what is your goal? What's your end goal? To pick a fight with your mom and dad? Is that the end goal? Then go ahead and do that. And you'll ruin your akhirah as well. And they won't change. If you want to bring change, you have to be very humble and very nice in, 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 in your presentation. So he, you're, none of us uh, you know, are dealing with, alhamdulillah, you know, a situation like this. Where he's not just a non-Muslim, he's a, he's a polytheist. And not just a polytheist, but an, uh, uh, but an idol maker. So you're dealing with that. And then he doesn't just say, okay, here you go, here's a car keys and a credit card, do whatever you want. No, he's actually very demanding. And you're gonna see, you know, very, very oppressive too, at this time, when he sees his son is speaking about deen, about Islam. But look at the humility. Okay, he asks a question, not saying, don't do this, why? instead he says, why, may I ask you why? Dear father, beloved father, look at the, um, uh, you know, words of love that he uses with his father. Why are you worshipping that which cannot hear or see? Meaning, he used very simple, logical method of explaining. Not quoting very, you know, high level, high level text from usul al-fiqh books, usul al-hadith books, a verse in Arabic. The worst thing, going quoting a verse of the Quran or Arabic, and the dad's like, kya kero, huh? You know, that's the thing, you don't even understand Arabic, right? Some people say stuff like that. So this is the thing. Even though he's maybe you know reading his alif bata, you never know what he's reading actually. Because if you don't understand Arabic, you don't know what he actually he's actually saying, right? So he quotes that Arabic, and so now what's the idea? It's the idea is showing is showing our superiority to our elders or to someone in the family that you're trying to bring towards Deen, and they will never turn like that. Why? Even if they want to, their ego will come in and say, "Why should I speak to? Why should I believe to someone who speaks to me like that?" So use very simple, logical ways to explain. Don't give some high-fi proofs. First and foremost, start at a very basic level. And speak about things that they can relate to. Like, okay, I understand you got needs. Okay, and you got to get them fulfilled. But you want to fulfill them in a manner that makes sense to you. Would you go ahead and speak to a random tree to say, can you please give me food? And the guy will say no. Well then understand that when you go speak to the idol, it's the same thing. That idol just came out of that mountain. Why don't you go do the same thing to the mountain? You don't do that. You don't find the boulders on the street and just go speak to them. You yourself with your own hand created this idol. And now this, this idol can speak to you, can listen to you, doesn't respond. Why are you uh, sitting there uh, you know, uh, uh, worshipping this? Very simple basic logic. And he used that with his father. First, Number three, And guess what? He can't help you in anything. He can't hear, he can't listen, um, he can't see, and he can't give you anything. What has he given you so far in life? Next level. Ya Abati, again, oh my dear. Every sentence is sugar-coated with my beloved father. Oh my beloved father. Right? Akhlaq, character. Inni qajani. Indeed, revealed knowledge has come to me from Allah. Malam, that has not reached you. So there's a lot of emphasis here. Indeed, ja'ani min al-ilm, knowledge has come to me. Okay, what does that mean? I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm not saying you're foolish. 
I'm not saying you've been duped your whole life. I'm just, I'm actually empathizing with you and understanding that you just simply were unaware of what the knowledge that Alhamdulillah I have now. You see how he's speaking now? You simply were unaware and I'm here to educate you. It's not that you were intentionally acted like this or you were foolish all along. Because no one wants to hear that they're foolish. No one wants to be told that they're foolish. No one wants to be told that they've been duped. Look at this way how of explaining. You simply didn't know. Now I have the knowledge and I'm sharing with you. So that level of humility is there. That I've got something to share with you. And it's okay that you are not practicing deen and you are doing something else. You follow? Like a person knows his father is involved in haram business. Big issue people say, my dad's involved in selling haram. How do I deal with that? Well, this is a very touchy, touchy topic. But it's got to be done in, with wisdom and hikmah. Right? A person should say, you know what? I didn't know any better. I was with you. I was at the cashier every day. I, w- I used to give you business plans. But now, I'm studying the deen and I realize it's not worth it. I didn't have this knowledge before. If you go tell your father, I can't believe you've been feeding me haram all, all life. What is he going to say? He's not going to want to repent. You see what I mean? You have to present it in this manner. So he says, indeed, I've got knowledge that, that never came to you. I actually went and studied in a dars. I took a class on fiqh of, of transactions, a fiqh of halal and haram. I, I want to share this with knowledge with you. And then he said, فَاتَّبِعْنِي So please, follow me. I shall guide you to the straight way. If you follow me, I will guide you out of this mess. Okay, now you're seeing his face is changing. He's probably frowning, getting mad. You can see his, you know, his eyes are getting red. So now you realize, and he's not willing to accept. So the frustration levels increase a little bit. You know, natural. So now he's, he's very pointedly says, okay, I got to tell you one thing. Ya abati, oh my dear father. Again, oh my dear father, third time. La ta'budi shaitan. Do not worship shaitan. But shaitan, there's no one who likes, even the polytheist doesn't like shaitan. Even the polytheist doesn't like shaitan. So he's telling him, okay, chalo bhai, shaitan, you are actually worshiping shaitan. Now you're going to say, was he a satanist? No, he's not. Why is he saying that don't worship shaitan? Because all the sin that we do, whenever we disobey Allah and we do things that go against Allah's will, in reality, we are pledging our allegiance to shaitan. So when we listen to music, when we look at haram, we, we watch haram, we eat haram. In reality, what are we doing? We're following shaitan. We're, we're worshiping shaitan. So by doing idolatry, also we're worshiping shaitan. And you, I, don't know, I know you don't like shaitan. So why are you doing this? You're worshiping shaitan by becoming an idolater. Okay, who is shaitan? Inna shaitan, indeed shaitan, I, come on, you don't want to be like him. Asiyah is ever rebellious from Asiyan, right? Very rebellious. And who is he very rebellious to? To the, to the most uh, powerful? He didn't use that word. What did he use? Lirrahman. To the most merciful. Okay, even if shaitan also were to humble himself for one second, Allah will forgive him. If he were to humble himself for one second, Allah will forgive him. He knows that. But he's so arrogant, so stubborn, he refuses to do so. So that Allah who's so merciful, shaitan is yet being so rebellious with him. Why do you want to worship him? Ya abati, fourth time. Oh my dear father, I indeed I fear. I fear if you're not going to listen to me. Lastly, you know, I got to tell you this. I'm a very afraid about the future. I'm afraid that the, you know, the roof will fall down upon you and your business will fall down and everyone will banish you. No, he didn't say that. Don't start hitting the hammer. Right? Take it easy. Even when you have to give warning, give it in a nice, small manner. Don't want to push people away. He says, I'm afraid that if you don't stop and don't uh, desist, that what will happen? 
يمسك I am afraid that the all-merciful will strike you and then you will end up becoming a partner and a patron of shaitan what did he say? the all-merciful will strike you meaning Allah doesn't enjoy punishing you oh my father Allah does not want to see you in hell He's merciful He doesn't want to see you in hell but if you really push the buttons and you remain rebellious and you don't want to listen then some punishment will come a small amount of punishment again not saying the whole world is going to fall apart on you because then it will push him away some level of punishment will touch you touch right so meaning if you, if you die in kufr things will happen so the and you'll become a doomed patron of shaitan what is, what is the response of the father? he's angry, he doesn't want to hear this he says, oh Ibrahim are you really going to be turning away from my gods? Raghiba, if it comes with fi means to desire but when it comes with an it means to to not desire, to be averse are you averse to my gods? oh Ibrahim guess what, I can't believe it if you do not stop inviting me towards, the, towards your religion I am most definite. This is emphasis. Lam and the noon with tajdeed on it. Most definitely, I'm going to myself stone you to death. Not just, you know, banish you, kill you. This is the father telling to the son who spoke to him so nicely. Wahjurni maliya, get out of my life. Wahjurni maliya, get out of my life. Leave me forever. Maliya, long duration. Wahjurni comes from the word hijra, which means leave. Leave me for a long time. Get out of my life. What can Ibrahim do? With so much humility and humbleness, obviously you think this was one conversation? He's had this conversation for years with his dad. But now it became the tipping point where the dad said, get out, I'm, I'm now done, I'm gonna raise my hand and kill you if you do not leave right now. He didn't give an option, he didn't just say, stay at my home and do your own ibadat. Uh-uh. He said, you have to leave, otherwise I'll kill you. So Ibrahim said, salam had to leave. And he said, made dua, salamun alaik. So this is either salam al wida like, you know, salam, bye-bye, I'm going. Or it means, you know, I'm going to be making dua for you, peace for you. Rabbi, I shall ask forgiveness from my Lord for you. What, what type of forgiveness? He hasn't died yet. He hasn't died yet, so he's still alive. So he can make dua for his forgiveness. He can make dua that Allah guides my father to Islam. When they pass away, you cannot make dua. If they died on kufr, we cannot make dua. If they died on kufr, they can die with any major sin, you can make dua. But if they died 100% on disbelief, then unfortunately, you know, that's just the way Allah wills. You know, Allah, is, you're feeling bad about it. What did Allah tell Ibrahim? So anyone who has a, this, you know, non-Muslim parent who's passed away. This ayah is powerful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ibrahim used to seek forgiveness for, for his dad because he was waiting, you know, that maybe he'll accept Islam. But when it became apparent to Ibrahim, that his dad is the enemy of Allah. What does that mean, enemy of Allah? That he died on kufr, he died on disbelief. He absolved himself from his father. Allah is saying, Ibrahim did make dua for his father, but when it became apparent, and did I tell you about this narration and my previous tafsir? I don't know, and previously, I remember the day I read this and shared it with the class. It had, you know, it was a powerful fact. Imam Qurtubi mentions this that on the day of judgment, Allah will tell, Ibrahim will tell Allah. Ibrahim said, Salam tell Allah, Ya Allah, oh Allah, everyone is here. Billions and trillions of people are here. And they look up to me. I'm Ibrahim, known as Ibrahim Khalilullah. People look up to me and whatnot. And Ya Allah, I know that my father didn't, died as a non Muslim. And he has to go to hell. 
and I can't stand up and say anything. But Ya Allah, you also, I requested you on the dua. In the Quran, the dua is mentioned. Oh Allah, do not embarrass me on the day the people will be raised up. I ask you, Allah, do not embarrass me in front of these people to see my own father being dragged into hell. La ilaha illallah. So it comes in the Qurtubi, Tafsir Qurtubi mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take Ibrahim's father, Azar, and will change him in the form of an animal. And that animal will be dragged and will be thrown into hell. No one on that plains will know that this animal actually is none other than Azar, who's been formed and changed for the emotions of Ibrahim in the form of an animal and then thrown into hellfire so that people don't see it. Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. This is aghna al-aghniya. This is samad. This is mutakabbir. This is ali al-muta'ali. No one can say, even Ibrahim has to stay quiet in front of Allah when, he, when his father is being thrown into hellfire. Allah doesn't need anyone. Allah doesn't need anyone. And we, if anyone objects, he himself will become matrud, mal'oon. He will be pushed away from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here we go. Ibrahim salam's response that yeah, I'm going to make dua for you as long as I can. And guess what? You're, you are pushing me out of my house. Allah is not like that. Allah has been ever gracious and ever loving to me. Got it? You're pushing me out. Allah will take care of me. And guess what? If you choose to turn to Allah, Allah will also take care of you. That's a final parting message uh, of this. And inshallah, we'll continue uh, with, with uh, some of the aspects of this ayah and the, uh, as, uh, the rest of the ayah next uh, week. Um, couple announcements, inshallah, before we end with the dua. This Thursday night is our khatmul, monthly Khatmul Quran night. After Salatul Maghrib, we'll have our Thursday night Salawat program. 20 minutes reading salawat upon the Prophet Then we'll have a short talk and reminder of how we can start preparing to recite abundant Qur'an in the month of Ramadan and also preparing with it with the last two weeks before Ramadan. And then we have our monthly khatmah Qur'an dua. So all of you are aware of it. If you're not, you're listening to me right now. Then here you go. Uh, every month we do a khatam here. Alhamdulillah, it started from last Ramadan. And mashallah, we, had one, we made a goal of 1,000 khatams last Ramadan. And alhamdulillah, we exceeded that. We had about 1,400. Right, so this year we're gonna make a bigger goal. What goal we should have, Asifay? Two thousand. Anyone else? What do you guys say? No. Ah? Huh? No, I said for Ramadan, end of Ramadan. Right? I was thinking of two thousand two. What do you guys think? I think so. It's doable, right? Two thousand. We should double that up. So everyone wants profits to be double. Why not amal to be double, right? So inshallah, ta'ala, this would be the next khatmul Quran dua will be at the end of Ramadan. So our goal is to get every single person who's listening and, who's, and our family members to do our, their own individual khatams and to encourage others. So you can go to the website, khatma, you know, the, um, you can, someone can post it on the YouTube link right now. Uh, and those of you who are here as well, it's very important. You're going to say, do I have to post it? I mean, it's good so that you feel that you're part of uh, you know, this big khatam dua that we're making. And, um, and, and you can make a pledge. Of, of how many khatams you're gonna do every, you know, for this month. And then when you fulfill it, you say fulfilled. So I, um, so I, would, I request you inshallah to do that um, uh, uh, for, for, for next week, I mean for the next month. And let's all work together to get our 2,000. Say inshallah. Yeah. Alright. So this is a big thing. This is a very big thing. This type of intention we'd make in front of a huge crowd. But mashallah, this tafsir crowd is the first crowd that I'm sharing this with. Right? So uh, it, hopefully we'll be able to do that for next month. But now, if you haven't done, if you're almost done with your khatam, try to read a few more juz extra and to finish up by Thursday. Thursday night will be a khatam Qur'an dua. So participate virtually or on site for that. And second program is Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. is the 13th, 14th, and the 15th. 
of the Sha'ban, the blessed nights and days of Sha'ban. And Rasulullah would always fast on these three days, the 13th, 14th, and the 15th of the lunar month. So if we haven't been fasting till now, at the very least, we should all make a niyyah of fasting Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Okay? And in, in, in preparation for Ramadan. And so on Sunday, we will have a program here, the 19th and 15th night of Sha'ban program, which is a lot of virtue for it in various ahadith. So we'll have a program from Maghrib to Aisha here on the importance of seeking forgiveness from Allah and who are the people who, if they don't repent, Allah will not even forgive them on that night. So it's a very important talk. Please come in great numbers and attend in person or virtual. There's no collective ibadah that we're going to be doing. We're just going to speak about the virtues of the night and encourage people to make tawbah and make a collective dua. And then after that, you have the night to make your own ibadah. Okay, that's on Sunday. Um, so these are two main programs, alhamdulillah, that are going to be taking place this week. And next week, um, I, 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 inshallah, I want to ask you, Maghrib is 7.18. Do you like to do it right after Maghrib? Or you want to still keep it at 8.45, uh, 9. Okay, who says we should move? Raise your hand if you, should, you like the time we have it now. Raise your hand right now. If you say we just keep it at 8.45. Hi, hi, please keep it high. Okay. All right, so, all right. And then those who say we should move it between Maghrib and Isha. <laughs> what did Hafsa? It looks a little bit more towards Maghrib, right? Those who raise their hand for after Isha, will you be able to make it after Maghrib? Yes? Okay, alhamdulillah. So we'll do that inshallah. All right, so we'll do it between... Uh, uh, huh? Yeah, <laughs> inshallah. No, you, miracles will happen, man. Why not? So your 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 job shifts will change. Everything will happen. Make niya. Allah subhanahu wa taala will make it easy for us to be here by maghrib. So we'll do that, brothers. We're listening online too, and uh, brothers and sisters. I'm sorry, I can't see your votes. I don't know how they're voting, but we'll do it after maghrib, inshallah. And actually, Isha will be at 9 p.m. from next week. Okay. So if it's being 9 p.m., we have to move it. You know, it's going to get even later. So Maghrib to Isha, alhamdulillah, that will be there. Okay, additionally, there are many brothers here. I want to mention something is that, um, uh, subhanAllah, that this, we're going to have in Darussalam, we're going to have a tarawi, full tarawi, 20 rakats, etc. We'll have shorter 7-day tarawi, 10-day tarawi, maybe even a weekend tarawi. Just a weekend tarawi. This is an idea I've had for the past few years, that there are people who are traveling. Oh, don't have time to come for Taraweeh. Just have a Saturday, Sunday, uh, Friday night, Saturday night, Friday night, Saturday night, over eight days, you know, just finish the Quran for those brothers. So, what do you guys think? Is there interest in that? For, of course, maybe not this crowd, but people who have jobs like that, who can't, who are not here. So we'll, we'll offer a variety, a buffet of Taraweehs, inshallah. And we'll also have i'tikaf here. Full i'tikaf. So those brothers who, who are working virtually, or who can take times off, this is an awesome year to do i'tikaf, to make up for last year. Right? So Alhamdulillah, I uh, found out there's brothers who are traveling from overseas, from international countries to come to do Etikaf here. And this is not the first time. Many times, Alhamdulillah, this has happened. People have tra- traveled from overseas to come to Etikaf here. So this year as well, the news has spread, people are coming. So it's a first come, first serve basis. If you're planning to do Etikaf, we'll have the, make Nia right now, we'll have the link if it's not already up soon on our website. And you can register for, for the Etikaf this year. With a show of hands, who's planning to do Etikaf here? Raise your hand. MashaAllah, raise your hand high. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. These are 10 days. 10 days. Okay, MashaAllah. What about anyone shorter than 10 days? 5 days, 3 days? Alright, that's also an option. Alright, that's for all of us. Alhamdulillah. So be beautiful. Be ibn ta'ala. So Etikaf will be there as well. Um, we'll have a fiqh of, of Ramadan program. We'll have a bunch of other programs. Just keep, keep, keep connected, keep coming, and we'll announce these programs, inshaAllah, Tabarakallah, in this um, gathering over here. 
نحن الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام منك السلام وتعالتيت الجلال والكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم انا رشيت انا عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اله العالمين يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اصلح لنا شأننا كله ولا تكلنا الى انفسنا طرفت عين اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاه تنجينا بها من جميع الاحوال والافات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على درجات وتبلغنا باقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياه بعد الممات انك على كل شيء قدير يا الله وي اسك يو تو اكسبت اور جاذرينج يا الله اكسبت ذا سبيكرز اند ذا لسنرز او الله وي اسك يو تو جرانت اس ذا ابيليتي تو براكتس اون واتيفر واز شيرد او الله او الله جرانت اس ذا ابيليتي تو امبادي ذا تيشينجز اوف ذا قران او الله ميك ات ايزي فور اس تو ريبنت فروم اول اور ميجر اند ماينر باست and present sins ya allah close the doors of haram for us open up the doors of halal for us oh allah all of those brothers and sisters are going through any type of emotional spiritual mental financial difficulty physical difficulty ya allah through the barakah of the quran grant every one of us shifa grant every one of our loved ones shifa oh allah allow us to overcome our spiritual and emotional and financial and mental difficulties ya allah oh allah grant barakah in our sustenance grant barakah in our risk all of those who's, who are mar- suffer, suffering in their marriages oh allah remove their difficulties all of those who are suffering in the in getting married oh allah remove their difficulties oh allah those who are suffering at the hands of not having children or are having children oh allah or 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 in any other shape or form of domestic issues ya allah remove remove those difficulties from their life ya allah we ask you to grant all of us the ability to recite quran abundantly allow us to recite quran abundantly all of us who have yet to begin reciting allow us to be motivated through today's discussion to start reciting quran oh allah those who have difficulty in reading quran allow every single one of us and our loved ones who have difficulty reading quran allow us to connect with the teacher and allow us to start learning how to recite quran from the basic alphabets makharij tajweed and so that we can become fluent reciters of the quran ya allah save us from becoming from from becoming ya allah ghafil and heedless from learning how to recite the quran Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to grant all of us such parents, such children, such siblings who will raise the voices and Quran in our homes. Oh Allah, allow our Quran in the homes to buzz and fill up the the sound in our homes, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, close the close the the sound of music in our homes and allow the Quran to be recited, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to close the doors of haram income and put barakah in our halal income, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant us the ability to make the best use of the remaining three weeks till Ramadan and allow us all to safely reach Ramadan. with afiyah with health and allow us to welcome ramadan and allow make this ramadan the very best ramadan we've ever had ya allah oh allah those brothers may niyyah of reciting and sisters may niyyah of reciting quran make it easy for them to do more than that oh allah allow us to complete our goal of 2000 khatams ya allah oh allah we ask you allah allow us to read more quran than we've ever done in our life ya allah allow us all those brothers may niyyah of i'tikaf sunnah i'tikaf make it easy for them to participate those may niyyah of nafal i'tikaf allow them to participate allow our sisters to listen in to the entire i'tikaf program in the last 10 days of ramadan as well ya allah Allah allow the masjid to become populated allow the madrasa and the community campus to become populated ya Allah oh Allah allow the muslims to start coming back and flocking back to the masajid ya Allah oh Allah oh Allah whatever dua requests the brothers and sisters have oh Allah those who are listening those who are here in person whatever needs they have you are well aware of the secrets of the heart you're well aware of the worries oh Allah we ask you to fulfill all their permissible desires and needs subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin amin